Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn and I'm here with Matt Leach and we're in LA. We are in LA. This is part of our series that we're at Adobe Max. We're on our last day. It's uh, day three. Feeling a little bit tired. Oh, we're also rested. We were just talking about that off air. I don't know. I still, <laughs> there's a lot of walking in this place. Yeah. So there's um, the expo is at one end and the kind of everything else happens at the other end yeah it's it's like a juxtaposition between the type of food that i'm eating and all the walking so yep. what i've lost in weight i've gained in weight it's it's a pretty brutal cycle <laughs> but you didn't get your chicken You've been i didn't get for, my deep fried chicken, fried at chicken. All. No. super disappointed didn't get popeyes <laughs> anyway anyway we digress so we're really excited to be here part of adobe max shout out to adobe for getting us over here because we've got so many great episodes that mm-hmm. we've already done so far very excited and hp as well and we've managed to go the entire conference and matt leach has not touched an hp now, uh, laptop that we've been out, talking though. about check the entire time. look look down there uh, podcast listeners look down there yeah <laughs> so down there for everyone listening at home they are shooting a, like a little info commercial right. about HP's new oh, computer. we might just sneak over there and shove the <laughs> microphone in because they can do a probably better job. <laughs> and then I may, I may actually get the try one. So. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, and you're going to tell people about Streamtime? I am. So obviously everyone knows that Streamtime has been incredibly supportive. We couldn't have done everything that we've done without them. Uh, and, you know, I've been using Streamtime for some time. And I don't know if you know this, but there's the little Easter eggs that pop up. And I don't know if it's a new thing, but it's just been popping up lately on, on mine. And it's awesome. And I can't kind of tell anything. And I asked kind of stream time about it. I was like, oh, what is this? And they were like, oh, don't, don't give away any spoilers. But when you use it, nice little things happen. So there you go. Try it out yourself. Streamtime.net. Who do we have on the show? Well, on this episode, we have the lovely Sully Spratt. Sully, designer, passion for fashion, graphics, typography, illustration, she has her own, what would you call it, freelance business, I guess. And yes. then also the Lust List, which we'll get into. How are you, Sally? I'm really good. Actually, tired, but good. Tired, yeah. but good. Yeah. So <laughs> you slept for 12 hours last night, apparently. Yes. I think jet lag's been up, getting me up at 4 a.m., going to bed at, t- at 12. I just didn't want to miss out on anything. So, yes, I had my 10 to 12 hours sleep last night, feeling rebooted. After uh, we saw Beck. Yes. Oh, my God. Concert. He was so good. Yeah. So good. That was very good. You and Joy Lee were tearing up the dance floor, last, oh. I think, when we left. Yeah, making some moves on the dance yeah, floor, bouncing was, around. It was pretty great. It was kind of one of those things where, like, everyone's kind of swaying at the beginning. And then Joy just kind of came through and just was like, nah. And just, like, started <laughs> rocking out immediately. I'm so pleased she did because nobody was jumping around. You guys started, us. like, a whole circle of rhythm, which I think was really cool. I think some, I think some other people pushed past us just to kind of come and dance with the other people oh, that were so dancing good. as well. So yeah. good. Did you notice you guys were just, like, slowly... Well, I, yeah, I did notice Joy kind of grabbed my hand and yeah. led me into the middle, which was gra- which was great because I think, you know, when you're amongst a lot of people that aren't bouncing around and you want to get into the music, you need somebody like that to go, just let loose, Cut jump loose. around. And I was like, well, if you're doing it, I'm going to do it. And there's just no shame. Just, yeah. yeah, all out. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, the, the old men at the back were kind of heading towards the exit before the uh, bus has got too full. I'm, I'm feel- yeah, <laughs> that was my idea. Just <laughs> reference. I'm like, I don't think there's an exit strategy for 1,400 people to get me back to the hotel in 1400. time. 1,400? 14,000 people to yeah. get me back in time for nap time. That was smart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, let's talk about you. So, been reading lots about you and as a young girl, you've talked about before that you, you drew on everything. Everything. And yeah, so no. It seems very obvious that you would move into illustration and graphic design. Well, it feels obvious now, but it was definitely quite a path getting there. I think, you know, I've 
come from quite conservative parents who, you know, obviously want the best for me and, and want a secure career path. But illustration wasn't necessarily always as secure as it is now. You know, they definitely encouraged me to do whatever I wanted, which was draw on everything and create and anything I could just, I could do to express myself creatively, whether it's, you know, flour in the mud pies at home or, you know, like I created this paper zoo with my friend when we were growing up. We actually cut animals out and like use little pins to make movable arms, you know, like we were just super creative as kids. And so that's sort of how it began. I never wanted to sit still and just like obviously do maths or like English was never great. So my expression was always using my hands, painting, creating, molding, anything. That slowly developed throughout school. All I really wanted to do was hang out in the art rooms, the D&T rooms. Yeah, then that sort of led me into leaving school. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had a year off to sort of think about it. Came back, did TAFE for a year. And then you went, went to Enmore TAFE? I, I did go yeah. to Enmore TAFE. Yeah. That was actually really good. It mm. was a three-year course jam-packed into one. I think it was called Design Fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, I was so pleased. I'm, I'm a bit of you know an airhead when it comes to this sort of stuff. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I was like, I need somebody to ground me. Mum was like, I saw this. I think you should sign up, give it a go. And... For me, as a designer, still now, I, I definitely need direction and some sort of parameters to create in because I get really nervous seeing a blank page. So mum was like, look, there's this design fundamentals. You can give it all a go and then you can figure out what you want to do. Yeah. Just one year course. So I went in and loved every single aspect of it that like I've never worked. Actually, no, I have worked just as hard ever since then. But it was seven days a week, like mm. creating. So we, we did kind of industrial design we had to create our own seats we did fashion costume design we did graphic design and just like a plethora of things and unfortunately it left me with no direction because I wanted to do every single thing and do the course all over again right um, but maybe with a few months off to sleep so from that mum's like look just find one thing and stick with it and I had this weird association with wanting to go to uni because for some reason it has some stigma that I wanted to be a part of it. it realistically you don't need to go for to learn the skills that you learn you can go anywhere but I decided to go to UTS because they had um, a visual communications course which was kind of a watered down version of what I'd just done so right. it was learning to communicate visually and um, it was a four-year course and uh, yeah loved it did animation illustration graphic design typography all of that sort of stuff and I really loved it and then I think that then led me as much as I wanted to do illustration I was like I just don't think I'm gonna have an opportunity to do this as a career it still wasn't as prominent as it is now and then I what did I do it was just well you did I, it at St Martin's at yeah some point, didn't I you? did I did so sorry yeah in my third year there was an opportunity to go abroad and mm. do six months overseas and I jumped at that. Any opportunity, give it a go. It was at Central St. Martin's in London. Yeah. And my goodness, it was incredible. It was so different to the way they taught here in Australia. Because I think it's quite um, theoretical here in Australia. Like yep. a lot of essays you need to do, a lot of projects that you need to work on. Whereas Central St. Martin's was really conceptual. So you went in there, they taught you the ideas, the way to sort of express yourself. But very conceptually. They didn't want the immediate reaction to something. They wanted you to make they wanted to make you think, they wanted to make you push your boundaries. 
and the way that they marked you, I guess, is you didn't have to have anything finished. They wanted you to get your concept out there, get it right. as good as possible, but they marked you on that because they wanted you to not hand in something that was absolutely perfect, hand in something that was that you felt like, okay, I can take feedback and I can still grow and I can still push whatever I've got. So it was a really good mindset to go into. It's like, I'll give you something 80% that I'm happy with and then you can walk away growing from constructive feedback. Yep. So yep. I thought that that was amazing. I learned so much. What was it like that. to go in there? Like, you know, obviously you'd done quite a few years by that point. Mm -hmm. So obviously feeling fairly confident, I guess. And then going into St. Martin's, which is, you know, an amazing, amazing name for itself. Mm. Well, I guess... I, I did lose a bit of confidence because not only was the whole setup completely different and, you know, different stairways and, yeah. uh, you know, it was it was just super cool. I walked in there being feeling very dorky, actually. I was like, everybody's cool. Everybody knows who they are. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, who I was as a designer, mm -hmm. what I really stood for. And then going into St. Martin's, everybody knew who they were. Everybody was unashamed. They just were so happy to create and... and be expressive and that was really inspiring I really wanted to be one of them mm. everything that they were doing was just like they did it with such confidence and I wanted to be a part of that so taking away from that I think not only did they dress really cool um, <laughs> you know they did you come back with an entire new outfit uh, I kind of did actually <laughs> I was you know happy to wear sneakers around and oversized t-shirts with like all of these logo branding and like yeah. uh, signpost I think t-shirts and I, I don't know I just sort of felt like I could explore that other side of myself which was very creative and be accepted you know it was strange I think being a Sydney girl there's so many you know um, little clicks that you sort of grow up with and and I was really happy to break out of that shell and start to find who you were yeah it, it really did push me to find who I was I think um, and so I came back feeling a little bit more confident that I could just create and without that judgment without those stereotypes and just yeah give things a go which I loved. Now you came back and you went into working for a fashion and sort of up-and-coming sort of fashion brand. Mm. Yeah that was great so that was uh, so I'd done a little bit of magazine work before that uh, which was great sort of I had a brilliant mentor that really helped guide me. She, she did things slowly with me and I learned so much from her. And then, yes, I jumped into a fashion brand, which was great. Again, I think at this stage, I'd learned to be a bit of a workhorse and go, you know what, seven days a week's fine. You know, like, I'll give it a go. I've got to learn deep end. And this was definitely deep end stuff. I, you know, as much as I loved the brand and I was a huge fan, still am, work-wise, I think as a very junior graphic designer, I ended up not having unfortunately didn't have somebody to guide me through those two years and yep. so you know you either sink or swim and I was desperate to swim and swim far but so I mean mentorship and someone to look up to that can kind of guide you is like valuable we've heard it so much here even at the Adobe Max conference there's like an entire mentorship community that they're trying to build here because they, you know they recognize how important that is it's so important yeah. and when you don't have that you are floundering you can't learn you can't grow as mm. fast as you would with that guidance and I think that's so important so unfortunately there was a disconnect there and so I feel like it took me a lot longer to figure those skills out when I didn't have that person mm. but I did what I could I think after two years I was burnt out learnt so much 
But what I realized is I felt quite stunted creatively. So, you know, when you're a graphic designer, you definitely have parameters if you're working with a client. Yep. And so on the side, I think for those last maybe six months of working there, I was illustrating again and trying to get some freelance work on the side. And I just realized that I just wanted to draw again. I was drawing fashion illustrations. I was trying to sell gift cards to lo local shops in Paddington. Yeah. I just kept feeling like my heart wasn't in it anymore. I wanted to be creative and I wanted to see what I could do. So it got to the two year mark. I put in my resignation. By this stage, mind you, I'm on like what felt like minimum wage. Yeah. And then I had no financial backing. I was staying in a share house with a great group of girlfriends. And they were like, Sal, you're not happy. Like, just do it, just jump. And I was like, I'm terrified. I don't want to do this. No, no, no. I think I had an entire weekend and the poor things just had to hear about the entire situation, <laughs> like a conversation carousel. The poor things couldn't get off. And then one of them wrote me a resignation letter. Oh, the right. other one... Let's just do it for her. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I, like I needed to be pushed. And it, yeah. yeah, so one wrote a resignation letter for me and she goes, here it is. I've printed it. I've emailed it to you. I've, you I've sent it to your employer. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. I wish she had. Um, and then she goes, tomorrow night I'm buying wine and you have to come back and this has to be done. And I was like, okay. And then my other friend had the emotional support for me that was just like, look, we're here. We all live together. We've all got your back. Just do it. Give yourself like six months or a year to, to figure this out. Yeah. I had seen some other person talk recently about how to learn a bit of parameters when, you know, like we're all great at having ideas and we're, you know, like ideas, anybody can have them, but executing them is another thing. And putting parameters on that helps you figure out whether or not it's something you want to do, because if it's something you want, you go out and get it and you'll do anything for it. So I said, okay, using that bit of knowledge I gave myself a six-month marker and that Monday I put my resignation in I said to the girls look I've got six months make it or break it or I'm back in graphics and then worked harder than I've ever worked I think I had 14 different jobs that I was working on to try and make ends meet and I think on that very last month of the six months I'd sent a batch of gift cards to PR lady, Roxy Jasenko, and um, I wasn't as aware of her. Sweaty Betty. Sweaty yep. Betty. Oh, so yeah. I wasn't as aware of her at that time as I am now, obviously, but that just changed my life. She called me the day that she received my gift cards, which were illustrated, and I just had all my details on the back being like, call me if you need anything. She called me. I couldn't speak. And she was just like, hi, I got your gift cards. I want you on the team. We've got this new Ministry of Talent team thing happening where we'll represent you and if you say yes we'd like to get you on board as of today like here's a job are, are you free and I was just overwhelmed <laughs> and yes. what a phone call exactly it was completely overwhelming I hung up did you have any wine left over from no I yeah, didn't that's I didn't when I, that's when I went friend. out and got it it yeah. was 10 a.m but I did go out and that's get fine. something that's fine it's a big <laughs> day it's what brown paper bags are for <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> so it was just fantastic it was um it just changed my life, it, and it still does every single day. She's been the most incredible cheerleader and support network since mm. then. So I started working. That was kind of 
the beginning. That was, that was how I became, you know, as, well, I, was, I became the lust list, really. Mm-hmm. So the, the importance of getting, you know, obviously getting an agent at that time is, I mean, do you call her an agent? Yeah, she yeah. is an agent. So getting an agent at that time seems like just something that really set you on the, on the road. How important do you think that is, I mean, for any kind of new aspiring illustrators to find an agent? Well, I do actually think it's really important. Uh, Like, personally, I'm terrible at business and I'm learning extremely slowly, you know, all of the things that you need to do within business. I I don't have that degree in business. I don't understand it. And for somebody that does have those skills, it's phenomenal to, to work with. She looks after all the inquiries. I know for me, I'm not good with talking money. I don't like to tell a client that, you know, they, you know, this is how much I'm charging. And that confidence really was lacking when I began. So she took care of that. She had my best interests at heart. She wanted to push me further. She knew the stages I had to go through to get to where I I am. She had the vision that I didn't have. Mm. And I think... A lot of creatives do have that vision. They, they know where they're going. But for me, I, I didn't. I, I guess I definitely lacked confidence. I, I was a new illustrator. I was a graphic designer before then. So she's like, look, I see what you're doing. I want to push you here, but you need to do X, Y, and Z beforehand. Mm. Sounds more like a mentor than an agent yeah. in some ways. Well, she, she yeah. is. She's been both, which is yeah. fantastic. I really got lucky. But I do suggest for anybody that wants to be pushed, wants somebody that has vision for them and and has those connections and opportunities to get an an agent and you know or a mentor you know um i think it's really important and she's been a lifesaver so so i actually want to unpack a couple of things that you that you mentioned during the intro before matt just runs off on his tangent um so something in there you said you mentioned drawing again Mm -hmm. um and so during that process so my question is were you were you still sort of I don't know the best way to put it, but like recreationally drawing, like we're still drawing for yourself or did you take a break from drawing when you were doing a lot of graphic design? I took a break from drawing. You took a full on break. Yeah, Yeah. I just, I didn't, oh, actually I tried to include it wherever I could, Mm. but the opportunities weren't there. So only within your work though? Yes. Yeah, okay. So you weren't kind of going home and drawing or? No, I was, it was literally like a seven day a week thing because I was just trying to figure it out and that was at my computer trying to do graphic stuff the whole time. You, you kind of blinkers on like you were just fully focused on the graphic design job. Fully that tunnel you, vision. That you didn't particularly enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, ca- I completely get that because I think when I was a, I guess I, I was a recent graduate and I felt like I had to focus on one thing. I felt like all the other little things that I did that I enjoyed, I had to sort of say, okay, I'll put that on hold for a little bit. So I kind of I get that kind hmm. of. Mm. It's just it's interesting because it's obviously such a big part of you and to take that big break off it and then come back. I think that's yeah. why it just sort of started bursting out of me towards the yeah. end and I was just like, I can't do this I anymore. I can't hold this back <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. I wanted to ask, obviously, all this has led on to the last list, which mm. I think um, you know really blew up for you and, and got amazing publicity. As I understand, the last list is it's, it's stuff that you couldn't afford that you, you lusted after. Correct. And so instead you drew instead of paying for it, I guess. Which is pretty yeah. relatable. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it's still apparent. You know, um, what was it? If I can't have it, I'll draw it. Yeah. And, you know, it's always going to be very apparent to any stage of my life. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not born. <laughs> and I think that's also actually quite a relatable tag, you know, to have with my brand because I think 
everybody aspires to something and I guess in a commercial world which is very predominant at the moment it's so infiltrated with brands and and needing to have things I thought that that was a really good business opportunity as well to go look if I can't have it if I can't you know have it I'll draw it and yeah I just started drawing candles and and I don't know like shoes and bags and everything and then when people started to say thank you in in ways of you know maybe gifting a candle or something I was like oh my <laughs> god I'm on to something I'm gonna draw a Learjet <laughs> <laughs> exactly I was really starting to up my ante yeah. on what I was drawing how far can I push this <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly great. was it was it a bit of a form of delayed gratification as well in the sense that, I, mean, I guess, I, if I look at something and I go, oh, I really want that, I could probably get it now, but I'm going to give it a week and then I'll see if I really do want it. Is it kind of that way? Like, did you lose the kind of lust for it after you'd drawn it? Yes and no. I think, um, I think sometimes if, if we get things too quickly, you're right, we don't necessarily appreciate it when we've got it. And so to draw it, I did actually have the opportunity to appreciate whatever I was drawing, to actually look at all the details of whatever, it, like the product I was doing, working on. And then if down the line it got gifted, you know, by any, <laughs> any chance, it was the best thing because it was such it came from such a genuine place as well it wasn't a commercial thing I was like this is an incredible product Mm. I really like it and I valued it so much more and so I feel like what I drew and then if it happened to turn up on my doorstep or I had to work really hard to earn that money to then get it I felt like I'd earned it so it's not delayed gratification it's the it's the other one where you you put it out into the universe and then it comes back to you so the secret is it? the secret yes <laughs> there's, there's a Marvel comic comic book um, new superhero at the moment that does mo- that draws monsters and that's his whatever he draws in his sketchbook becomes ah, yeah. becomes real and you've just you've just blown my mind because you're like the real life version of that like oh, I'm gonna draw this back <laughs> oh look at that oh gosh <laughs> if only it, it all came to yeah. fruition that would <laughs> exactly. be amazing <laughs> so where, how does the lust list fit into your working life now? Because it's been going for a good while now, yeah? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm in my fifth year now, which is so exciting. So how it happens is what I'm drawing on the lust list now is actually part personal work and then part client work. So I think what you see on the lust list feed on my Instagram that's probably about 10% of what I'm doing now, whereas it used to probably be 100%. Right. Um, so it's definitely changed. I used to do it every single day, and that was just my goal, you know, work fast, get something out yeah. once a day. But now it's probably down to two or three times a week just because I've had such incredible opportunities to work with big clients that that's now where my bread and butter is, not on my feed. Yeah. So. And it's, it's hard to kind of illustrate time I guess it is it is and I think my the pressure I've put on myself where it used to just be one item every day you know that's that's fine that's easy and now I seem to be creating little tiles that have about you know 20 30 40 products on there and I'm like I don't necessarily have the time to keep doing that and I feel like if I reverted backwards it wouldn't be I wouldn't feel like I was giving it my best so I feel like I just hold off and give it my all when I can It'll just keep on going? Hope so. Yeah. Hope so. It, it's, I guess it started as a passion project, which ended up becoming my full-time job. I guess when we talked about it before, you talked also that it was a great practice. It was. It kind of drove you to practice and, and try new styles. And 
Exactly, exactly. And it's taken me a while to really push and grow in what I'm doing. Um, just like from confidence wise and time wise. Um, like I didn't have the confidence to go digital. Uh, so I've kept it, you know, quite analog, you know, with drawing and then editing digitally, but not actually creating using like Photoshop or Illustrator. Mm. However, recently, I think last year, I got the opportunity to, to try out an iPad and all of the Adobe tools on it. But it wasn't until actually Father's Day this year that I had the opportunity to give it a go. And since then, I've started introducing it back into my work. So that's been super exciting. And this little ho- um, holiday, I call it holiday, it's a working trip. Um, with Adobe, I've been pushing myself, trying to use all of the product and, and see what I can create, which is a great opportunity to then grow my brand as well. Mm. How do you feel about Project Gemini coming on? Oh my God. Photoshop and Illustrator's baby. I cannot wait. I had a client recently who needed something illustrated, you know, in my style, but then vectorized and and blown up to, you know, Mm. large scale murals. And it absolutely stunted me because I was like, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Like it's going to lose all of that, I don't know, essence of, of, sketchiness however when that got introduced when project gemini got introduced i just i think i filmed the entire thing i was like i've (laughs) got to share this with everybody this is so exciting and i've just realized how many doors this is now going to open because with the ability to sort of paint and draw with all the brushes from photoshop and have the opportunity to draw with you know vectorized brushes this is just gonna i can now go well, I'm not going to go completely digital, but it would give me the opportunity to go completely digital. Mm. So that's huge. I, that means I can work from, or I can work from anywhere, but I'd have to take like a truckload of stuff with mm. me. Whereas I could just go anywhere in the world and work from an iPad. Mm. So this is going to change things yeah. and also animate. I think there was Project Arrow as well with, mm. you know, digital, like editing film clips um, quite simply and... I'm gonna rush. Oh, sorry, rush. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's insane. That is super insane. So then I can get into film, and actually, I wrote a few things down. What else was there? Like Aero 3D. Yeah, and well, it was those two. But it's gonna be super easy. I, I can completely transform. I guess the way I work. Um, and also, sorry, also the the entry level, like the cost of maintaining that that technology system that you have there is so incredibly cheap mm. as, as it would have been kind of in the past. Yeah. Um, and because one of the themes for uh, Adobe Max has been democratizing creativity, which is exactly what it's doing. I mean, you can have your mobile phone and, and you know, a pad of some kind and then off you go into the world. You could go for a hike and just take that and then draw whatever you see and everything. Yeah, it's Bring a- it all back and throw it all back in. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's... Literally putting everything into one spot, yeah, and make it oh, as you said, just so easy. It just shows efficiencies with time as well, you know. Just it just all lives there in that in that one spot. Just throw it over there. It's up Absolute, really quick. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was speaking to somebody recently, and they were saying they were actually quite nervous about the fact that because we both work analog, mm. and she was like, "Well, is this going to take away my job? Like, have I got a job after this?" And I was like, "Just think of all the opportunities that you can now use. This has created a new job, which mm. is where instead of just being you know an analog illustrator we can now be you know a film editor as well as like a 
an illustrator and then an animator and everything. We become like these slashies, you know, we're no longer just pigeonholed into one thing. Thanks for saying slashies. Oh, <laughs> is it Pre- not a thing? No, it is. Pre- <laughs> but previously, um, Matt, we were talking to Adam JK and, and Matt sort of said, oh, you're a slashie. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's and then we had, it, we had a couple of minutes just trying to explain what was, what was <laughs> happening there. Obviously, they just have different lingo in the US. Yes. Um, but hey, we're all from Sydney. So. Yeah, so bring it, bring it to America, I'm saying. Yeah. We're doing it. We're yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is it. <laughs> you spoke about confidence before. Yeah. And this is something that you and I have discussed uh, a little bit the kind of idea of having confidence or appearing to have confidence and how that feeds into kind of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Would you say you're a sufferer of imposter syndrome? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes, fake it till you make it. But then even when you've made it or making it, you can still feel like you're not there yet. And I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome. I don't think I've met anybody in this industry that's not that doesn't Mm. it it just feels so prevalent like being here is actually really surreal I sometimes go like why am I here why have I been chosen there's so many more people that are more qualified to be here and have done so much more they've got like a better creative head like I just a lot of the time I do have to pinch myself and go you know what what am I doing here (laughs) and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think I, everyone else is feeling the same. Yeah, but like these opportunities present themselves and I don't know, I, I you know, you, you go through it and enjoy every single minute of it. And I think with imposter syndrome does come gratitude because you do appreciate everything that comes your way and don't feel entitled, which I guess is a, you know, is a positive yep. out of the, out of it all. But um, it's also a mo- motivator I always find as well, the... You know, the whole, like, oh, I, don't, I don't think I'm actually up to this, so I'm going to have to work harder to kind mm-hmm. of prove that I am. And then you actually get more done than, than I think you would have done if you... Well, I've never had that situation where you waltz in acting like you know it all. Um, but I imagine that, yeah, it's, it kind of keeps you... keeps the fire. It does. Right? It does. I tend to sort of... Instead of freaking out, I tend to overcompensate. So, um, right. yeah, like, even, you know, whilst I'm here, I've been creating far more than I probably need to you know with posting and stuff but I'm like I've got to prove that I deserve to be here and and how much I'm appreciative of the opportunity and so yeah there's a lot of time and energy that I'm putting into it more so than I would you know Mm. if it was just on my terms and something I was doing so yeah it, it does make you super aware. Do you think it's something that schools should be doing more to kind of prepare students for that feeling? Uh, imposter syndrome Mm. I think it's something that well they should definitely discuss it I think it should be a conversation that people have and I think there's the pros and cons of it I think are important especially with okay I know it's a blanket statement not everybody is but I do feel like the younger generation are a little more entitled and their confidence is a lot higher but I think there's definitely a balance between the two because I don't think people should necessarily feel like they don't deserve to be somewhere where they do but also I feel like you've got to be grateful if you, you know, if you do have that confidence also and appreciative because it, it can tend to get lost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they've, they've got a lot of confidence, you know, as you said, as a general kind of assumption, mm. which brings its own, its, its own issues. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We want to jump into a bit of your process mm-hmm. because from having talked to you, reading about you, seeing your work, you seem to work really fast. 
Yeah, that comes from being incredibly impatient. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, what, how it started was when I did started The Lust List, I was like, I need to do something that's going to be fast and easy and I've got to be able to just do it, like, out the door, done. So I was very inspired by Garant Storé. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and she's this beautiful French illustrator, designer, and um, was a huge influence on my style to begin with it's changed dramatically since my first illustration but that idea of working fast and you still get a very beautiful fluid um, whimsical illustration and that has sort of been something I wanted to carry through my illustrations and just again you know like back with you know St Martin's nothing has to be perfect and perfection can be, be extremely stressful and if I'm doing something I love, I don't want to be stressed about it. I want to just enjoy it. And this is probably why I didn't do well with graphic design because it was all about perfection and I wasn't good at it. Illustration for me, I was like, well, this is my Zen place. Make it fast, make it easy and add that bit of emotion to it as well. So when people look at it, I want it to be whimsical. I want people to enjoy that fluidity of it. So it sounds like, you know, like it's kind of, like you've found obviously like what you're really passionate about and you found a way to make that work as well. Like as you said, you wanted to you know, do it in a way and do it in a medium that you, know, you found that you really enjoyed. What sort of advice would you give to other people listening that kind of want to pursue you know, the thing that they're passionate about or find it? Just keep playing with all mediums. If, if you don't know what you want to do, I guess one of my big one of my mottos in life is just to follow your bliss. So if it genuinely makes you happy and you want to work at it, then you're going to do it quite easily and it's not going to be a job or it's not going to be stressful. So I think for watercolour and pencil illustrations for me, I just kept going back to it and I really loved it. And then in time I sort of found how I could commercialise it, monetize it. And so anything that you want to do obviously you can do it if you work hard enough and if you love it you'll work extremely hard at it and whether that's you know 24 hours a day or if you're more efficient you know a few hours a day you'll get there and I think sometimes just speaking to people and I don't know keeping your eyes open and not taking anything personally art can be quite personal because we feel like we've got quite an emotional attachment to it but if you if you do it and I guess do it to a point where you're still comfortable to get feedback and grow, then you're going to get somewhere. So I feel like I was lucky enough to have that because I kept quite open about it. I wasn't going to take it personally if somebody didn't like it. Not everybody has to like it or like you. And mm. that then opens up doors because you, you're more inclined to take on feedback and yeah, suggestions. It's something that you seem to actively seek, though, as well, and, and, and even from yourself as well, like in being quite reflective about how you can improve your process or how, how you can try, try new styles and, and, you know, seeing how excited you got about new technology just then. Yeah. Well, what, I guess that's like also like imposter syndrome. Like I've got to prove that right. I can keep up. You know, there are, there's an incredible amount of talent out there and they create things daily that are so inspiring and I guess it does ignite that passion and I want to be able to do that too. I guess it's like, can I join in? Like, can I figure out how this works? And so, yeah, I'm always sort of trying to find out how I can be included in that. Like, whether it's animation, whether it's um, new technologies, I guess finding that time's one thing to try it out, 
but also that drive. So every year that I come to Adobe Max, it's like, I think I was telling you guys the other night, it's like it plants all these little seeds, all these little ideas, and whether you use them immediately or not, yeah. they're there and they can percolate and it's eventually you have those doors to try them out. I noticed that you very responsive to people like just like through your Instagram as well like people seem to kind of ask you little questions here and there like how do you find time for that um, and how important is that well second one first I think it's extremely important to interact with you know your followers and, and engage in that community I'm actually I feel really terrible I'm, I'm actually good. terrible so I feel in the last couple of days I've been able to respond I struggle to get back to people but I do feel like when we are sharing tips or tricks or like they're asking for things that are quite easy I feel like I can I can let them in you know on little secrets but it is incredibly important to have a community I think it's actually our responsibility and the more we share the more we learn and the more we grow because it's not a secret and we shouldn't hold on to it too tightly because that just it becomes so restrictive uh, so yes I think engaging in that is really important and making the time so whether it's I know a lot of people do this, you know, they wake up, they have their coffee and they use that opportunity when going through Instagram and getting inspired by everybody else, also finding that time to respond. Right. I do find like, like I'm very responsive if I'm trying new products or trying new things and creating something quite personal rather than a, um, a client's work that I've popped up. But yeah, I think that's something I've got to keep on top of and um, always be aware of because it's so important. Mm. So where's all this leading? What's next? Well, I think after this week, I really want to get into the digital space. I've been testing out animation, but I really want to now see how I go digitally. You know, I I saw Carl T. Webster's talk and he's treated like a king here, by the way. Like everybody is super like responsive to him. Yeah, especially like Adobe, like absolutely love him. Like I fangirled. mentioned all the time, like absolutely and everything. The live streaming that they do in, in the US, I, I help out with the Australian, the APAC version, the US one, they mention it all the time. They'll come on and like, yeah, cool. So, uh, yeah, I've just got these like these brushes. They, they're Carl T. Webster brushes. And he's like, you know they are. And then it's just <laughs> like, it's like every person that comes on, every illustrator, every creative person just goes, yeah, I just use Carl T. Webster's brushes now. Yeah. yeah. But I, like when I was in his talk, he was telling me how to create my own brush. And I think it's been around for a little while, but I've never made the time to find out. And then I went to his talk and I'm like, all right, I'm going to create a set of brushes and you know that whole discussion of community and giving back that I feel awful that I'm not a part of this year well you know now I've realized I need to mentor in some way I need to give back in some way and that's that I thought could be a great opportunity illustrate brushes um, now that I've figured out how to do it and share that knowledge and especially this week I've started giving out tips and tricks of how I'm creating certain posts and animations and People are getting really into it and becoming really appreciative. And I realized where that gap is in my business. And that's to act as a mentor to my community and give something back. So I think that's something I see in the future is just to give more mm. back. That's, that's really great. We were, talk, we were talking with um, 
they're all blending together, as Matt was saying before. I think it might have been Jessica Heesh and, and talking about how everything's a phase and we're specifically talking about it with kids. It's like there, there is no permanency. It's like, well, there's the twos and there's the threes and everything's a bit different. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of like a career. A career is like that. I mean, you can't mentor people the first day when you get out of the gate. That would be inappropriate. But it's like, it's quite nice to, to speak to you about these sort of next phases. Okay, cool. This is the next step. Now it's time for me to do this. Now it's time for me to do digital. Now it's time for me to start giving back. Like Absolutely. it's the right time and you're moving forward and it's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's really exciting. That pretty much brings us to time. Yeah. Look at that. Thank oh you. Thank you so much for coming on, Sally. Thank um, you so much for having me. Just for everyone else, we're in this, this is like the fourth or fifth area that we've been in here at, at the conference and it, I'm looking at it, it doesn't seem like it would be the quietest area. And there's, a, there's definitely some background noise, but actually compared to everything else, <laughs> it's probably actually been the best. So thank you so much again. And especially someone who, who admits they have imposter syndrome, and then we put you on a place where people are walking past <laughs> constantly looking at you. But that's the good thing about America. No one cares. No yeah. one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Thank you for we're making just... me so like relaxed as well. I was super nervous. Oh, no, you're absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely great. Thank you so much for coming on. And where can people find out more about you? So I think the best place to go is to Instagram. I'm at underscore the lust list underscore uh, and then you can see basically it's like a giant portfolio of work and then you can connect with me there yeah cool. come say hi great <laughs> fantastic and Matt you can find me at Matt underscore leech if you hate squares <laughs> everything in Matt's Instagram feed is just circles of things you can find me at Flynn Tracy on everything and you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com and you can follow the show on Twitter Instagram and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio.com Thank you so much, Sally. Thank you. Thank you.